Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, to another 2.1 seconds to madness your college basketball podcast i'm russell hainline it's been a long time shouldn't have left you without a podcast to step to gang i am super excited to be back for this bracket breakdown uh, apologies for people who wanted kb in on this uh for those of you who listened to the podcast in the past my co-host k bad and i have both been incredibly busy this year him even busier than me I spoke to him about getting on this episode, and he basically said that outside of his own team, Georgetown, he didn't really think that he had followed up with the national scene very much, and also we just weren't able to make our timetables line up today. Uh, Again, I'm sort of recording this in the middle of the day uh, when things wouldn't work out for him, so shout out to KB. If you don't follow him, at KBADDS, he's definitely going to send me a copy of his bracket so that I can retweet it at twitter.com slash seconds, the number two madness. So you can check that out there. Also want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, my website, the Beer Travel Guide. If you like drinking local craft beer when you travel, this is definitely the website for you to check out. It's thebeertravelguide.com. You can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, uh, at the Beer Travel Guide, Twitter, at Beer Travel BTG. Uh, and if you go right now to my personal Instagram, at Russell H. Beer, you can see that I'm doing a free beer giveaway. If you like winning free beer, which who doesn't like winning free beer, uh, then go and check out at Russell H. Beer so that you can figure out how to enter that giveaway. But for now, let's go ahead and start talking about why we're here, March Madness. I'll delay no further. You want to win your bracket uh, office pool, right? You want to win that, and I want to help you win that. So I want to start with a little bit of advice. Then I'm going to do some game-by-game detailed breakdowns for you. Uh, The biggest piece of advice to start, be different than the other people in your pool, right? (laughs) I mean, this basically means don't pick Duke, right? Um, When I was in D.C., uh, when I was in Northern Virginia teaching high school, everybody always picked... Maryland to win, they always picked Virginia to win, they always picked Duke to lose, because in particular I was surrounded by a lot of Maryland fans who did not like Duke at the time. So in 2010, when a lot of people were counting Duke out, I knew if I took Duke all the way, I would have a good chance of winning my bracket, and I did. Right? I'm sure that people, uh, when Villanova won, especially for the first time, that was sort of a, an unorthodox pick, just because they had they had bombed out in the first weekend so many times before that. So you want to be the person that's not picking straight chalk. Yes, you may get more things right if it's straight chalk, but you want to be the person who's at least taking a couple of gambles because if the Final Four ends up being Duke, Virginia, UNC, Gonzaga, and then Duke wins it all over North Carolina, which as a Duke fan probably sounds pretty great but also very heart attack-inducing, if you put that as your Final Four, 
and it happens, then you're going to feel great. But guess what? So many other people in your pool will also have that. So then it's going to come down to those early round games. You want to try and have a couple of unorthodox picks in there. So I've got here, I've got a list of teams who are being picked more by the public than their odds are of making the Final Four according to 538. Okay, and now granted, some of you maybe don't trust 538, but it's a pretty good metric for these sorts of things. Now, obviously, this is going to come as no surprise to anyone. Duke and UNC are both being picked way, way more uh, by the public to go to the Final Four than their actual odds. Their actual odds, I believe that Duke was around 52% of making it to the Final Four, which is still really high. And UNC is around 35% just because they got an absolutely brutal bracket. But they're both being picked like by 75% of people. So you may want to consider whether there are alternatives in those regions. Uh, also, Tennessee, Michigan, and FSU, weirdly, are both being picked slightly more than their 538 odds. Teams that are not being picked enough for the Final Four, according to 538, teams like Texas Tech, Michigan State, Virginia Tech, uh, and then even Virginia and Gonzaga. Obviously, this is due to people being burned by Virginia and Gonzaga in the past, but if other people are going to bet against them because they were burned in the past, that's when you sort of have to take those people, right? Because ultimately, Virginia and Gonzaga have really, really great teams. They're the top two teams in Kempom. And even if you're like, well, Virginia's got to get there first to in order for me to pick them. Yeah, but guess who else is saying that? So many other people. So you may want to be that person that, that takes that leap when everyone else is too scared to. And it's so weird to even be saying this, that picking the number one team in Ken Palm is a bit of a gamble for you. It's not really, right? It's just recency bias, a couple of games, obviously the 16 seed loss. So strongly consider those if you're trying to win like an office pool, especially one with a lot of entries in it. Uh, a lot of people in that pool are going to pick chalk. You're definitely going to want to do something different. If, for whatever reason, your pool gives bonuses for upsets, right, uh, lower seed teams, especially double-digit seed teams, uh, I always ask people to look for a couple of things. First of all, you want to find a mid-major with high-major talent, right, either maybe somebody who has the potential to go pro, maybe somebody who was in a Power 6 conference and transferred down, right, those players tend to be the ones who can compete with the higher-seeded talent. And then obviously you'll want to look at underseeded teams versus overseeded teams, right? So if if you're a, this is a hypothetical, a 14 seed, but really you're as strong as about a 12 seed, and you're playing a three seed that honestly should be a four or a five seed, that's going to be closer to that 5-12 range, right? That's going to be closer to that thing that everybody talks about as an upset. But if the three and 14 are throwing people away from that, that's that's your time to pounce. Right now, obviously, matchups matter in some of these things, but you really want to consider those when when going forward. Uh, other things you want to consider in terms of like how to pick teams in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, past the upsets. Right. In my opinion, shot volume is everything. If you are taking more shots than the other team, you're going to win. So more more likely than not. So look for things like field goal percentage; those get you points. Turnover rate, if you're turning it over a lot, you're shooting less, and if you're getting a lot of turnovers from your opponent, you're having more possessions. Offensive rebound rates, if I miss a shot and I get an offensive rebound, I have a chance for another shot. Free throw rate, 
right? If, if I take a shot and I get fouled and I'm getting to the free throw line a lot, that's a lot of opportunities for points, right? And ultimately, you just want to figure out which team you think has the best chance of putting the most points on the board. So if you're looking at a team that is a pretty high seed, but they don't offensive rebound very well, they don't get to the free throw line a lot, maybe they turn it over a lot. These are things that are red flags when you're looking for which teams you want to send packing. Other things. Uh, I found an interesting stat the other day that I think is worth noting. Seven seeds have done better in the last two decades than six seeds, and they've done nearly as well as five seeds. So especially this year when there's a couple of seven seeds that are just as strong as five seeds, in my opinion, Louisville and Wofford in particular, those are two teams you might want to consider going a little farther in order to separate you maybe from some of the rest of the pack that's going to have teams like Michigan State and Kentucky going farther. Uh, teams that shoot a lot of threes, people ask about this all the time. Yes, they can get knocked out early, live by the three, die by the three, but man, these teams can live by the three. Like, they can go on deep runs because it's a good neutralizer of talent, right? So if you're a team that's a 12 seed and you're playing a five seed that has like two or three future NBA prospects, G League prospects on the team, you're at a huge disadvantage. So your major advantage is to chuck up a lot of threes, and hope that the other team can't compete, right? Because that's that's such a huge equalizer in terms of putting up points on the board. So I don't really shy away from teams that put up a bunch of threes. Now, granted, if they shoot a ton of threes, like if they lead the country in threes, if they have the most highest three-point uh, rate of like any team in tournament history, which I believe one of the teams this year does have that, then maybe you want to be a little scared of that. But don't be afraid if you see that a team takes a lot of threes or their offense is predicated on the three-pointer. Uh, that's just the way the game is going. And especially for mid-majors, that's a thing that I look for as being a real strong positive because they're not going to beat you by out-athleting you. They're going to beat you by out-shooting you. So, you know, good rolls of the dice there if you find uh, mid-majors that shoot the three really well. Uh, look for teams that are hot coming in and teams that are cold coming in. I'll talk about Iowa in a bit, but everybody who's been watching Iowa has seen that they've really stumbled across the finish line in the last, you know, six, seven games. They've looked flat out bad. Um, that usually is not a coincidence. Not a lot of teams that really limp into the tournament and then all of a sudden get really hot and, you know, smoke everybody going into the second weekend. Usually they limp into the tournament and they limp their way out in the first round. All right, so keep an eye on that. Teams that are hot coming in. Now, granted, that's going to favor some mid-majors. But then again, winning predicates winning. So if you're a team that's won 15 games in a row, but you were in a crappy conference, you're still probably going to go in and feel like you've got a good chance against maybe like the fourth best team in some high-major conference. Same for, um, obviously, if you're a high-major team and you've won, you know, again, I, I just talked about how too many people are picking FSU. But FSU, I think, outside of the Duke loss and maybe a UNC loss, they've won something like, what, 13 of 15 coming into the tournament? I mean, that's, that's huge, right? You don't want to bet heavily on the team that did great early in the year but has done poorly now. You want to bet on the team that's doing well now. So that's also to be considered. Uh, and then finally, consider style. Uh, if the team plays zone, if they shoot the three well and they do it often? Do they do pressure defense? Do they try to turn teams over? Do they switch everything on defense? These are things that at least you should consider uh, once you get to like the Sweet 16 Elite 8. I don't think these matter as much in the opening rounds where mostly you just want to pick the team that's better unless there's something glaring. But 
you know, you may want to consider them later on, although now that I'm saying it out loud, things also change from game to game, right? Like Virginia in the first game against Duke tried uh, just to guard him really close. Duke drove into the paint on him all day. Duke wins. Great. So now in the second game, Virginia's like, we're going to make them shoot a bunch of threes. That'll show them. And then Duke, who is not a good three-point shooting team, makes a bunch of threes. So even if you have the right strategy, sometimes you still lose. And that's just to go to like my final point here. You're never going to be able to predict this. right? All you can do is be well-informed, sort of know how the teams play so that you can watch the game smarter and appreciate what it is you're seeing in front of you because it's my favorite sport. It's, I believe, KB's favorite sport. It's a, a phenomenal sport to watch. Uh, and the more that you sort of understand what's unfolding in front of you, the easier it's going to be for you to sort of embrace some of the plays that they run or the or the defensive strategies that they unveil. So anyway, that's just the nerdiness in me. Ignore all of that. Let's talk about the matchups. Let's get straight to it. Let's start in the East. Duke versus the winner of NC Central, North Dakota State. I'm going to go North Dakota State to win this. Uh, they're just North Carolina Central is sub 300 on Ken Palm. Uh, I love their coach. I love the fact that they've done well in their conference tournament, but you, you can't bet on them above North Dakota State. And you can't bet, can't bet on either of them against Duke. I'm not going to dwell on this. Duke is the team here. VCU versus UCF in the 8-9 game. I was originally all over VCU here uh, because they've been a better team this year than UCF, frankly. Uh, but with Marcus Evans hurt, he's supposed to be back for the tournament. But if he's stumbling at all or his stamina is not quite there. I'm worried about their ability to score. And also UCF's offense really thrives on getting to the line. VCU definitely fouls a lot in its pressure. VCU doesn't really have anyone to deal with Taco Fall. Now, granted, nobody really does. But in particular, VCU, who's not a terribly, they don't bust out a very tall lineup. So uh, I kind of like UCF here. I feel very scared betting on a Johnny Dawkins team in the NCAA tournament. But here we are. Uh, Mississippi State versus Liberty. And this is going to sort of go into another one of the strategies that I like to talk about when picking upsets. So I really like Virginia Tech to make it to the Sweet 16. I think they're underseeded. They're getting back Justin Robinson. There's a lot of reasons why I like Virginia Tech on that 413 line. So I think Virginia Tech would beat either Mississippi State or Liberty. And I think Mississippi State Liberty is going to be a pretty close 5 12 game. So if I'm trying to separate myself from the pack, I'm going to go ahead and take Liberty because it's not going to matter for my Sweet 16 round anyway. Does that make sense? You really want to pick somebody who's not going to screw you, right? Now, if you pick, if you think Duke is probably going to win it all and you pick UCF because nobody else will have it, right? Now, maybe you're getting a little wild and crazy with it, right? But if you think that Virginia Tech is a stone-cold lock for the Sweet 16 and you don't love Mississippi State, send them packing first round, right? That's just a pretty good strategy to take. Now, that aside, I'm tempted by Liberty anywhere, in any way here, right? Because they take care of the ball really well. They get back on defense. That's not going to afford Mississippi State easy opportunities. Mississippi State is is bad on the defensive glass, straight up. And Scotty James of Liberty is one of the best rebounders in the country, especially on the offensive glass. And again, sort of what did we talked about before. They don't turn it over. They hammer the glass. Mississippi State is going to be vulnerable uh, to give up that offensive glass. Uh I like Liberty here. Um, I think that that's uh, – and plus 512s are sort of a classic upset bid. I'm sure you hear about this if if you've done the bracket for a while now. 
So yeah, I like taking Liberty here, especially because Virginia Tech, St. Louis, I'm taking Virginia Tech. Now, St. Louis is a really tempting pick here because Virginia Tech struggles offensively with physical teams. They lost to teams like Clemson, Louisville. They lost to FSU twice. I'm really tempted to pick against them. Also because, let's say Justin Robinson is not 100%, or let's say they reintroduce Justin Robinson and the offense doesn't immediately click. Right? Think sort of the effect of you know, when Kyrie Irving came back to Duke in 2011, and he came back like in the tournament, clearly while he was playing very well in the Sweet 16, the rest of the team sort of struggled to readjust to what the offense was because they'd played several games without him. So if that happens here, then they might be a little vulnerable. Um, but I don't think this is the type of team that beats Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech allows more threes than anyone in the country. They don't foul and they don't allow twos. This is by design. This is their defense. And St. Louis can't shoot at all. They are completely reliant on two-pointers, more than most, right? So uh, because of that stylistic difference. I like Virginia Tech here. Again, if, if you really want to put a chaos bracket or you're trying to put a bunch of upset stuff, sure, St. Louis, not a bad choice here, especially if you're considering putting Duke straight through to the Elite Eight regardless. Um, but I'm going to go with Virginia Tech here. Belmont Temple, play-in game. Uh, Temple's got terrific athletes, uh, Shiz Alston, Quentin Rose, but they are definitely prone to take bad shots. Belmont is like the polar opposite of that. They refuse to take bad shots. They refuse to turn the ball over. Um, I, I think it's pretty close because I don't know that Belmont really has athletes to deal with Temple's athletes defensively. But when it's close, you got to go with the better team, the more composed team, uh, the team that's not going to beat themselves. And, and I think that's Belmont here. And Maryland-Belmont, basically same thing as before. Belmont does not turn the ball over, and Maryland does a lot. I think that Maryland is really sort of praying for a Temple victory here. Um, the Belmont uh, bigs are not going to be able to deal with Bruno Fernando or Jalen Smith, right? The bigs are going to get theirs on Maryland. But I don't know what Maryland is going to be able to do defensively. Belmont, I think, can just shoot over them, um, which is a huge problem, obviously, if you're a Maryland team that really wants to be playing a team that, that that wants to get to the rack because Maryland will beat those teams. Belmont just isn't that team, really. They can shoot over it. They can take mid-range twos. They can shoot threes. Uh, they're not reliant on getting to the hole. So I like Belmont for the upset here as well. Uh, LSU and Yale, another tempting one. This The East bracket, by the way, for like Duke and Michigan State, you've got to love it if you're a Duke fan and a Michigan State fan because there are so many landmines for everyone else in the bracket to step on. That's why you're going to hear me say over and over again, like, oh, well, I don't know. I'm not going to say that for all of the regions, but the East in particular has a lot of landmines for some of those mid-seed teams. Uh, Yale has future NBA player Mie Oni uh, on the wing. And, again, that's a big deal. Remember what I said earlier. Uh, they also have a very highly efficient offense. They beat Miami on the road, nearly beat Memphis on the road. They stuck with Duke for a half and Cameron, which is more than most teams can say. So they can hang, right? They can hang with a major team. I think the problem here is that LSU is maybe top five in the bracket as a whole across the board in terms of pure talent. Uh, they're just crazy talented. Yes, they make mistakes, 
they can sometimes get sleepy uh, during games, not really crank up the motor enough. And Yale is definitely the type of team that if LSU doesn't do that, they're going to get jumped on. But I think the talent differential is too much. Even with LSU not having Will Wade, uh, they're not going to be as well coached a team. But I think Yale, unfortunately, as they learned in the second half against Duke, you can out-talent Yale because they've only got the one guy. I think if they had faced some of the other three seeds, if they'd faced like Houston, if they had faced Purdue, maybe they would have more of an advantage. Uh, but this is just a really bad matchup for Yale. So I'm going to go LSU here. Louisville, Minnesota. Uh, Louisville is a strong pack line style defense, and Minnesota has to be able to score the ball inside. Um, I also think Louisville obviously has the better coach, Chris Mack, over Richard Pitino all day. I'm going to take Louisville here. That's sort of a no-brainer for me. Um, they're a, a way under-seeded seven seed. Uh, Michigan State, Bradley. I'm going to go Michigan State. I don't think we have to overthink that one much. Uh, on to the next round, Duke, Central Florida. I think Duke, uh, Central Florida is not a team that will beat you with threes. Uh, they really want to get inside. Duke has a really good interior defense for the most part. Uh, a lot of pressure they apply. And uh, frankly, I just trust Kay over Johnny Dawkins. I'm also hopeful that this matchup comes along just so we can see Zion poster taco fall. Because if that happened, like that's that's going to be a legendary one shining moment moment that I don't think anybody would would want to deny. Like, who who here doesn't want to see Zion Williamson dunk over a guy that's 7'7", right? That'd be incredible. So, uh, yeah, Duke is the team to take here. I think they moved to the Sweet 16 relatively easily. Uh, Liberty, Virginia Tech. On offense, I, I wrote down, it's a very Spider-Man pointing at himself meme here. Uh, they want to slow the game down. They want to find good jumpers. Uh, their interior play is super reliant on one guy sort of playing inside at the glass. End of the day, I just think Virginia Tech is the better team. Uh, and again, unless you think they can get caught with their pants down due to the chemistry problem of re-adding Justin Robinson, or if you think Justin Robinson is not 100% healthy, then, then maybe you can take Michigan State. Maybe you could even take Liberty. Um, but ultimately, I think Virginia Tech, again, this is like a three seed disguised as a four seed. I'm going to take them to the Sweet 16 here and not really think too much about it. Belmont versus LSU is what I have next. Uh, this is another tempting one, uh, especially because LSU is reeling. Uh, but again, Belmont is not athletic. LSU is all athletes. I think you really have to like LSU here. I think if Maryland made it through, that would be a pretty interesting game. But again, I just I don't trust Maryland's point guard as much as I trust LSU's. I don't trust Maryland's coach, even above LSU's interim coach. Uh, Nas Reed would be able to sort of bring the Maryland bigs, uh, at least one of them, away from the rim. So I like LSU to move on to the Sweet 16 here, which frankly I would not have said before I saw the bracket and the matchups, which is why the matchups matter. Uh, Louisville versus Michigan State. Now this is going to be a really sexy upset pick. And, uh, you know, I can't really blame anybody for taking – Louisville here, not just because Louisville beat Michigan State earlier this year. People call Tom Izzo Mr. March because, you know, he's had a few Final Fours and a bunch of Sweet Sixteens over the years. But he hasn't left the opening weekend in the last three years in a row. So people that are, like, really – and he's had some really good teams over the last couple of years. So if you're elevating him up, putting him on this pedestal because, oh, Tom Izzo wins in March. January, February, Izzo, April, or whatever it is that John Rothstein says – I 
I don't think that that applies as much anymore. And I don't think it should be taken for granted that you just, oh, just pencil him straight through. Louisville did beat Michigan State at home in overtime. It was at home, but Michigan State has lost a couple of players since then, a couple of important players, wing players that would definitely be important for defending against Louisville. Uh, Michigan State crushed the boards in that game, though, uh, but they struggled with turnovers, and I think that could happen again, especially with fewer offensive options. There's going to be a lot more pressure on Cassius Winston to do everything here. I mean, I'm ultimately going to take Michigan State still uh, because I think you've got to like uh, the chances of trusting Cassius Winston over Cunningham and McMahon for Louisville. Uh, but if you want to take a seven seed over a two seed, and again, if you're somebody who, like 75% of the country, is just going to put Duke through to the Final Four no matter what, have some chaos in your bracket at the rest of the way. All right, now I've got chalk, obviously. Boring. Uh, Duke-Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16. Now, this is a huge danger zone for Duke, in my opinion. They lost to Virginia Tech without Zion, but Virginia Tech didn't have Justin Robinson, and that's a huge issue as well. Duke fans, I think, have got to be hoping that Mississippi State goes through, maybe that St. Louis can knock off Virginia Tech. They're really, really hoping for something like that, because I honestly think this is the toughest matchup for Duke in the East, period. Uh, just because, again, Duke is very two-pointer reliant. Virginia Tech, very happy to let other teams uh, shoot threes all day. All right? um, the difference, of course, is Zion Williamson versus Kerry Blackshear. In the earlier game without Zion Williamson, Kerry Blackshear just did whatever he wanted. Right? And he can hold down the, the defense in there. He can do everything for them that they need if they're going to play a bunch of guards, a bunch of shooters, and Blackshear. Right, uh, But with Zion in there, I think it is a lot easier to get Blackshear in foul trouble or to make him play more passively to avoid foul trouble. And if he's sidelined or hamstrung like that, then I think Virginia Tech's defense is in big, big trouble. Combine that with the fact that uh, Duke is just a really stellar perimeter defense team. And certainly if Kerry Blackshear is in playing the five, Duke will play small ball against them, switch everything defensively. Uh, I still like Duke to win this game, but I think this is a lot closer than maybe casual fans of the sport would consider. LSU versus MSU, one-letter difference. Uh, you got to go Michigan State here if you've got this. They are better coached. I know I just razzed Izzo before, but you got to take Izzo over the interim coach for LSU, especially because LSU is so young. Uh, they are less talented, but they're better on both sides of the floor. They're better offensively. They're better defensively. Uh, LSU's definitely got like more dudes, but you know you, you can't underappreciate how well Michigan State ultimately plays team basketball. So I'm gonna go Michigan State here, setting up a nice Duke Michigan State matchup, which Michigan State fans you saw crying on the internet about being matched up with Duke. They thought it was unfair, largely because Coach K has dominated Tom Izzo head to head over the years. Now, granted, Trey Jones may struggle against Cassius Winston. We saw that Xavier Simpson did multiple times. I don't know whether that's just a mental thing for Simpson or, or what the deal is, but let's say Cassius Winston can get his for the most part against Trey Jones. Okay. They still don't have anyone to guard R.J. Barrett. They still don't have anyone really to guard Zion Williamson. Like, unless you think Kenny Goins is going to stop uh, Zion Williamson, then you're – I mean, I would say you're wrong. Xavier Tillman – Certainly can bang down low, but I, I think he's a walking foul when it comes to Zion and RJ attacking the paint. 
Obviously, Nick Ward is a walking foul. Uh, I think Duke would enter the free throw bonus very early. Michigan State would struggle struggle to sort of establish their own work in the interior. I think it would be a lot of Michigan State just like Cassius Winston, go. Cassius Winston, go. Cassius Winston, go. They'd try and maybe uh, run some pick and roll, uh, get some switches going if they've got Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman in there. But Marquise Bold and Javin Delorier, even though they were beat earlier this year on switches like that, I don't think that guys like Ward and Tillman are agile enough, and they're certainly not really shooters. So I don't think they're going to get beat much off that. Maybe if they went with Goins at the five, but then I think you just you just put Zion at the five and you adjust that way. I, I don't see Michigan State beating Duke head-to-head personally. Uh, so I'm going to go with Duke here. Again, if you're picking in a bracket and you want to be different, picking against Duke is not the worst idea because if they do get knocked off, I mean, let's say Virginia Tech beats Duke, right? Let's put that in there. I kind of really like Virginia Tech's chances at beating Michigan State, too. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, I think that they can handle – the only problem is Michigan State's a pretty good shooting team. Cassius Winston would definitely be able to do a lot. But it would take Nick Ward out of the game. It would take their penetration out of the game. Uh, It would be a really interesting matchup. I think that – Virginia Tech or Michigan State there. That's such a weak call on my part. Uh, I really like Buzz Williams. I think if Virginia Tech was playing Michigan State, I'd go Virginia Tech. I think the winner of the Duke-Virginia Tech game goes to the Final Four. But still, that that asks so many questions about Justin Robinson's health, etc. I think if you really want to gamble, you'll put Virginia Tech there. Otherwise, you'd put like Duke or Michigan State. I, I think Duke. Maybe you want to choose Duke and put your gambles elsewhere. That's fine. Let's go to the West. Maybe some gambles here. Probably not for your boy Russell, but uh, let's pick some gambles. Gonzaga versus, uh, I'm going to say Fairleigh Dickinson beats Prairie View, uh, but obviously the Zags win here. Syracuse-Baylor. Really, this is, (laughs) I wrote down the battle of who sucks less. Uh, I just haven't really been impressed with either of these teams uh, lately. Baylor is going to grab a bunch of offensive boards because Syracuse just is not good on the defensive glass. But Baylor is also going to turn it over a lot because Syracuse takes a lot of turnovers. Uh, obviously, the shot volume battle is going to win the game here. So, you know, it's probably going to come down to a, a tough shot or two. Ultimately, Tyus Battle, who may not be healthy. So, again, you're going to want to keep an eye on that before you fill out your bracket. I like Tyus Battle to make those tough shots. Uh, Syracuse just has a way of making these tough shots annoyingly. Uh, so, I think you've got to go with Syracuse here over Baylor. Uh, Marquette, Murray State. Okay, here's where I'm really going to help you because everybody and their cousin is going to pick the sexy pick, which is that Ja Morant, who you've seen on ESPN dunking all over people like, you know, De'Aaron Fox or Russell Westbrook or something, they're going to pick Murray State because they know his name. And he's a high major talent, NBA player on a mid-major. Marquette definitely has had their defensive issues in the past, not so much this year, but in the past. There are reasons to doubt Wojo's validity as a tournament coach. So it's going to be a sexy pick. But Marquette does a really, really good job of defending the interior. Theo John in particular has been sensational in there. Ed Morrow's a good backup. John Morant can't really shoot the ball uh, at all. <laughs> you know, it's obviously easier said than done to keep him out of the paint. But I think when you've got stout bodies who are shot blockers down there, that's going to limit his ability to do some of those things. Um, and if Marcus Howard is healthy, that's another thing to keep an eye on, obviously, before you pick, because his wrist got hurt 
uh, in the Big East tournament. If he's healthy, I mean, pencil him in for for a solid 30 points, right? Like, he's the type of player, like a Kemba Walker, a Shabazz Napier, who you can just say, like, it doesn't matter about the rest of the team. It doesn't matter how good they are, whether they're underachievers, whatever. And Marquette's got some shooters also. But Marcus Howard is a guy who you can just sort of put your flag in his backpack and say, all right, lead me to glory. So I like Marquette to win here. I think that if you're a gambler, you obviously take Marquette uh, and the points because I think it's going to be a very, very Murray State line, which to me does not make a lot of sense. I think if you can stop Jean Morant from getting to the cup, not super easy, but I think Marquette has the bodies for it. Speaking of bodies, FSU versus Vermont. You know, Vermont, uh, just like I said with Yale, this is a really bad matchup for Vermont. I I think they would have done a lot better against most of the four seeds. I think they would have done great against, like, Virginia Tech, obviously against teams like Kansas, uh, Kansas State for sure. I would have put Vermont to win a lot of those games. But FSU's got the length, and they've got the athletes, they've got the depth to get physical with Vermont. Uh, and, you know, their bigs are mobile enough for the sort of smallish ball that Vermont's going to want to play. So I like FSU to win this game. I, I, plus, like I said before, they're really hot. Hard to bet against them right now. Arizona State versus St. John's, the play-in game. Boy, talk about the battle of who sucks less. Uh, I think if you can get Marvin Clark in foul trouble, then St. John's is really vulnerable defensively. And... While it's hard to bet on Bobby Hurley consistently here, especially because he tends to play to the level of his opponent, I really can't bet on Chris Mullen. So I'm going to take Arizona State here, and I'm going to take the over uh, because that's going to be just a a run-and-gun fest. Buffalo versus Arizona State. Nate Oates versus Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley, previously the coach at Buffalo. Look, I just alluded to it. Arizona State is really inconsistent. They're obviously capable of pulling the upset here. And you're going to want to take at least one 11 seed in general in the bracket, one of these play-in games teams. So if you don't take Belmont, you may consider taking one here because I think like all but one year, one of the play-in 11 seeds has has gone on a bit of a run. So something to consider. I don't have those numbers in front of me. That said, because I'm taking Belmont in particular, but and also just because I can't count on Arizona State this year, I'm not taking the upset. I'm going to take the safe bet here. Buffalo is consistent. They're versatile. They shoot well. They defend well. They don't really do anything wrong. C.J. Massenburg, huge talent uh, at the guard position. He's, again, one of those flag-carrying guards that you can put into the game. I like Buffalo. Texas Tech, Northern Kentucky. Uh, Northern Kentucky is really well coached. If they can stifle Texas Tech's offense, they could have a shot. But ultimately, I just think that the Texas Tech pack line is too good. Chris Beard, one of the best coaches in the field. I'm going to take Texas Tech. Nevada, Florida, really interesting game. But ultimately, I I think Florida next year is going to be really good. I think it's too soon this year. Uh, They're still really young. I don't know who guards all of the players that Nevada just – like Nevada just wants to run one-on-one basketball. And I don't know if they've got guys to guard both Martins, Jordan Caroline – uh, like, I, I don't know if they've got the bodies to sort of cover everybody. Um, Nevada can just sort of get defenders switched, and then they can operate all day versus, you know, some of the smaller guards, things like this. I, I like Nevada here. Michigan, Montana, Bayline, great coach. No reason to debate it. Michigan. 
Let's go Gonzaga-Syracuse. Now, I'm seeing a lot of people say, like, oh, this is a nightmare draw for Gonzaga because uh, they're not, like, the greatest shooting team this year, not as great as maybe some previous ones, but they've definitely still got shooters. I think I think the problem with Gonzaga shooting is if you can get them sort of having to do shooting off the bounce or, like, running hard off screens, things like that, I think that's when their form tends to vary a little bit. But against Syracuse's zone, first of all, Gonzaga's going to crush Syracuse on the glass. Rui, Brandon Clark, uh, they're not going to beat themselves for the most part. Josh Perkins is a bit of a turnover machine if you can get in his head. Uh, but the rest of the team I don't think is going to beat themselves. Rui Hachimura born for the middle of the zone. Good passer for big man. He can take those mid-rangers all day. He can fake out uh, Chukwu. Uh, he can just sort of step back, bring Chukwu out, and he can either pop a three in his face or drive around him. Uh, and frankly, Josh Perkins, Gino Crandall, Zach Norvell, these are guys that can just stand still on the outside of the zone. And if they get it into Rui, he can just kick it out to any of them. If they're taking standstill jumpers, all three of these guys are definitely guys I trust taking three-pointers. So I definitely think Gonzaga is going to win this game and probably easily. Um, Marquette versus FSU. Um I really like Theo John, as I said, but I think FSU's got a lot of big bodies I can throw at him. He is vulnerable to get in foul trouble, uh, and then Marquette's def defense definitely is a lot weaker at that point. I think they're just so versatile, deep, strong, physical. I think the way to sort of beat Marcus Howard is to get physical with him. So, yeah, I like, Mar uh, I like Marquette to lose. I like FSU to win. Buffalo, Texas Tech, battle of tempo, battle of hot names in the coaching market. Uh, I think it's a pretty tough matchup for Buffalo because uh, Texas Tech has the athletes to hang and to have, you know, switchability on defense for the most part. Um, earlier this year, Theo John sort of swatted them to death when Buffalo would drive. I think Tariq Owens is definitely capable of doing that for Texas Tech. And again, as I said before, Chris Beard, just one of the best young coaches in the country. Nate Oates is too, but uh, I'm going to take Texas Tech here. Nevada, Michigan, I already alluded to the fact that Nevada likes to run a lot of ISO. You're not going to beat Michigan's defense with isolation offense. Like, you're just not. You can put Charles Matthews on uh, Caleb Martin. You can put, uh, you know, Teske is a big guy who can move his feet pretty well, probably hang with Caroline if need be. Uh, you put Xavier Simpson on the other Martin. I, I don't think that... Nevada is going to have an effective offense against Michigan's defense. And Nevada definitely is not going to have an effective defense against Michigan's offense. So I like Michigan to roll pretty easily in that one. And what do you know? Russell's got chalk once again. So let's let's pick something a little interesting here. Um, Zags versus FSU. I think FSU is a really interesting choice here if you want to win a pool. Now, granted, some people are maybe a little too high on FSU, uh, a little low on the Zags, so... I put this together before I looked at the stats. So, you know, consider that. Sort of maybe get a feel for your office and whether people trust the Zags or not. But FSU has the, definitely got the physicality to deal with Rui Hachimura and to mess with the shooters. And they're also going to just pressure Josh Perkins. Josh Perkins is a guy who, if he's playing poorly, the Zags have the pr propensity to fall apart. And so, again, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I sort of like Michigan as a Final Four team personally. Uh, I sort of made that decision when I eyeballed the bracket in the first place. So if I think Michigan is going to win the next game anyway, then I would probably just go ahead and pick FSU here in my bracket. That said, if you think that, again, uh, if you have the Zags going all the way, then, again, you can do sort of the same thing on the bottom half. 
either way, I personally just think that FSU has a really good shot against the Zags this year. I know this is a rematch of the game last year, I think. Um, but yeah, FSU's got the bodies. I think they're, they're, I was just really impressed with them all year. Texas Tech, Michigan. Uh, I think Texas Tech is just really reliant upon Jarrett Culver and to a lesser extent Matt Mooney to create. Um, Michigan definitely has the defenders to face those guys. I think that Texas Tech relies on creating turnovers in order to generate offense because they're not very good in the half court. And Michigan just doesn't turn the ball over like that. So again, I really like Michigan here. Uh, and I would also bet the under. going to be a very low-scoring uh, slog of a game. So we've got uh, FSU-Michigan. Again, if it was the Zags in Michigan, I would take Michigan largely because, again, Xavier Simpson versus Josh Perkins. I think Simpson would eat Perkins alive. He'd be a turnover machine. It'd be a problem for them. Um, the Seminoles definitely run a lot deeper than Michigan, so that could play a role here. Um, but I think Michigan has sort of the better one through five talent. They've got the better coach. Uh, outside of maybe like Cabangeli, they've just got a bunch of guys who are good physical college players. Um, but I, but I would say like Charles Matthew is Charles Matthews is better than those guys. I think I was more impressed with Xavier Simpson this year than with Walker for FSU. Obviously Brad Zdakis had a tremendous year for the most part. Yeah. I, again, it's going to be up to what you think is cool in your bracket. I personally see Michigan emerging from this, uh, from this side. Let's go to the South real quick. I'm going to try and speed this up. I don't know how long I've been talking. <laughs> uh, Virginia Gardner-Webb. Let's talk about it. No, let's not. I, I do think that Gardner-Webb is the best of the 16 seeds. They definitely have a team full of shooters. They've got a big man in DJ Laster who can keep things interesting. But they give up a ton of threes. And you can't do that against Virginia. That's sort of going to be a common thread in a lot of these games, I think. Like, you just – you can't – allow Virginia to shoot uncontested threes and beat them. There's no way. So, yeah, Virginia's going to win that one handily. Ole Miss versus Oklahoma. Uh, Kermit Davis's 1-3-1 one one is going to be hard for Oklahoma to prepare for. Uh, I think it's vulnerable to three-point shooting and offensive rebounds, but Oklahoma's not really good at either of those things. So I like Ole Miss to advance. Wisconsin-Oregon. Okay, Oregon's the hot pick right now because of how they closed the season, and I said that earlier about sort of ending the season strong, but I don't really get it. I, they were in the Pac-12. Pac-12 is really bad. That is important, but every single team that Wisconsin played in the last month is better than every single team that Oregon has played the last month. So just because Wisconsin lost a couple of those games, that doesn't really move the needle for me too much, frankly. Um, it's also in the West Coast. I've heard people say that, that Oregon travels well. It's going to be in California. Okay, that's all well and good. Okay, uh, and they've definitely got the interior defense that can slow Ethan Happ. But if you're going to leave Ethan Happ open outside, which is almost certainly what they're going to do, then he'll just like pass the ball. He'll just run the offense. He's a brilliant passer. He could rack up. I wouldn't be surprised to see him rack up eight plus assists in this game. Oregon gives up nearly more threes than any team in the country. Now, you might be looking at sort of the stats and it says that teams are shooting 29 percent from three against Oregon. Yeah, I mean, like, for two reasons, right? One, because you can't really trust purely what that percentage says um, because that just has a lot of variance depending on, obviously, game-by-game -game results, and it obviously has largely to do with who you play. And the Pac-12 can't shoot. <laughs> They're really bad in general. 
So if Oregon gives up a bunch of threes to Wisconsin, Wisconsin shoots 37% from three. Guys like Davison and Trice, uh, they'll go all day, right? So I like Wisconsin here. And again, I think because this is a hot pick, a hot 5-12 pick, this is where I like to zag when other people are, are zigging. Um, I, I just think that Wisconsin is the better team, a much better team. Oregon was not going to make the tournament unless they won the Pac-12 uh, title. And that's not really a, a high mark to set. Kansas State versus UC Irvine. Dean Wade matters here. Uh, he's still up in the air. He's their best outside shooter. He's their most effective player. Uh, if we think he's healthy and efficient, then I'm probably going to go K-State here. But I don't think he's going to be healthy slash efficient. UC Irvine is the best interior defense in the country. They have a ton of big men. Kansas State shooting threes is not really what Kansas State does. I really like UC Irvine to pull off the upset here. Villanova-St. Mary's is going to be a tough, 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 tough game. Um, I don't love St. Mary's ability to stop Eric Paschal, so that's going to be a problem. They don't really have a matchup for that. But Villanova is the team I alluded to earlier that I believe, if I remember seeing the stat correctly, has the highest three-pointer rate of any team in the history of the NCAA tournament. So, first of all, that's a bit of a red flag. Second of all, St. Mary's is one of the best teams in the country at denying three-pointers. Villanova is reliant on ball movement. St. Mary's prevents assists. The assist rate for teams playing St. Mary's is one of the lowest in the country. So I sort of like St. Mary's for the upset. They've got a chip on their shoulder, right? They've been passed up in the past. Um, They were going to get passed up this year if they didn't win against Gonzaga and win their conference. So I think they're going to come in as an 11 seed. And again, six seeds generally tend to perform a little worse than seven seeds, much worse than five seeds. So yeah, Villanova's going to chuck some threes. I don't think they're going to get offensive boards. St. Mary's a wonderful defensive rebounding team. Uh, there's just a lot to like about St. Mary's here. I'm going to go with the upset there. Uh, Purdue, Old Dominion. Old Dominion is happy to slow it down and muck it up, but Purdue is also comfortable playing that way. I think Carson Edwards is capable of shooting a, his team out of a game in the tournament. I mean, all of a sudden, he's going to go like 3 for 15 from 3-1 game, and what do you know? Purdue's going to lose that game. What a coincidence. But even if he's really bad in this game, I don't think Old Dominion's sub-200th offense can make up that difference. So give me uh, Purdue here. Cincinnati versus Iowa. I mean, first of all, it's in Ohio, and it's against a team that has looked straight-up bad over the last month. This is a no-brainer, Cincinnati. Tennessee versus Colgate, another no-brainer, Tennessee. Let's move on. Virginia versus Ole Miss. I already said Ole Miss is vulnerable to the three-point shot. Virginia shoots threes. Uh, Virginia rebounds well enough to hurt the zone on the offensive glass. I think this is an easy pick. Virginia probably has the easiest route to the Sweet 16 of any team. So, yeah, I'd be really surprised uh, if they don't make the Sweet 16, if they got sent home early. Wisconsin, famous last words, right? Wisconsin, UC Irvine. Um, I think Irvine could again cause trouble for Hap. There's another team that really packs it in on the inside. But Irvine really struggles with spacing on offense. I think Wisconsin's guards can draw charges all day, absolutely eat their offense alive, get them to turn it over a lot. Uh, Give me Wisconsin in this game. I I just don't see 
Irvine having the guns to get through Kansas State and Wisconsin. Uh, St. Mary's-Purdue, this is an interesting matchup. If you have Villanova getting through, I sort of like Villanova to win uh, because teams, if you've got a team that's pretty versatile that can throw Purdue's big men into ball screens, I think you're going to find some success here. Villanova and St. Mary's both do that a lot on offense. I'm not really convinced, again, that St. Mary's has the defenders to face Edwards one-on-one, but as I said about the Villanova game, Purdue, very three-pointer reliant. St. Mary's does a good job of taking that away. Probably the safer pick to pick Purdue here. Um, I think that probably St. Mary's needs to get some turnovers in order to really uh, make things go in their general direction, but this is a pretty good place to pick an upset, I think, and again, I'm probably going to pick Tennessee to go through regardless and to win that matchup. No matter who goes through Villanova, St. Mary's, Purdue. So give me a bit of the chaos. Give me St. Mary's in the Sweet 16. I think that that would be a great turn of events. Cincinnati, Tennessee. Okay. It's in Columbus, which could cause issues because it's going to be a quasi-home game for Cincinnati. You can sort of see what happened to Duke against South Carolina in South Carolina in 2017, right? I, I still have nightmares about that game. But Cincinnati really just wins by out toughing the other team and I I don't think you can out tough Tennessee I mean they're just they're brutal they're physical they're very unafraid they're upperclassmen so they're they're developed you know I, I just don't see Cincinnati being able to do enough of that to get there the one problem I see and the one place where Tennessee would definitely be vulnerable is Cincinnati is great on the offensive glass and Tennessee surprisingly, is really abysmal on the defensive glass. So even though Cincinnati is not as good offensively by a long shot as Tennessee is, if they can get enough offensive rebounds, put up the ball enough, increase their shot volume, they could pull off this upset. Uh, I personally don't see it. I'm going to have Tennessee go through. Virginia-Wisconsin, Sweet 16. Rock fight, baby. Um... I'm not really convinced Wisconsin has anybody for DeAndre Hunter who hurt them the last time they played. Uh, Since the last time they played, Jack Salt has also been playing a lot better. He's definitely the type of guy who could give Ethan Happ some issues. Ultimately, I I think, and we're going to talk more about Virginia's defense later on, but most teams, nearly all teams, if you're two-pointer reliant, if you're reliant on getting inside and scoring that way, then it's going to be really hard for you to beat Virginia. So unless Trice and Davison are just going nuts on the outside, I, I think Wisconsin's too two-pointer reliant to win this game. I think Virginia wins, beating them twice in a year. St. Mary's, Tennessee. Look, like I said before, uh, if you take Purdue here, I think Tennessee's really physical. Uh, they've certainly got sort of the guard defense that can uh, make Carson Edwards turn the ball over some. Uh, they've got the bodies inside to sort of push around uh, Harms, who is big. But, you know, Purdue is, if I recall correctly, not especially great on the glass. Um, Tennessee isn't great on the defensive glass, very good on the offensive. I, I just think Tennessee is going to be able to put up too many shots, defend too well for Villanova, for Purdue, for St. Mary's, for any of them to beat. Um, they move the ball well. They're really skilled. They have lots of individual defenders, so your best player is is going to be facing someone who is a tough defender. Uh, So I like Tennessee to get through here. So once again, we've got chalk, Virginia, Tennessee. How dull. Um, 
I like Virginia here. I know this is going to be where a lot of people want to pull the plug on Virginia. They want this to be the, the chaos region because they don't trust Virginia. In fact, I just heard, what was it, the Rob Doster and Brian Snow on the NBC Sports College Basketball Podcast. He's basically like, you're not. I'm not picking Virginia until they've shown me that they've done it. And you heard me say that at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, I, I think that's silly. I think you want to be the person, again, who has something that the other people don't have. Let them all think it. In fact, go around your office and be like, I don't know if I can trust Virginia uh, because they haven't made it to the Final Four. They always get upset early. Tell that to everyone you know. And then put Virginia go into the Final Four and look like a genius when you win your pool. Uh, I, ju- I just don't know. Andre Hunter can handle Grant Williams. And if you can stifle Grant Williams, Tennessee is going to have issues. And especially, again, like uh, Tennessee maybe has some, but like Virginia's got goons, man. Virginia's got some serious goon action. I, I think Virginia wins this game. I, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not that close. I think with the Wisconsin game is maybe the biggest hurdle for them just because it's such a similar team to them and it's such a low-tempo, low-scoring rock fight. That's the sort of game where it's going to come down to a possession or two. But I, I don't know if Tennessee beats Virginia. I'm going to take Virginia in the South. So to review, we've got Duke, we've got Michigan, we've got Virginia. Let's go to the Midwest. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. Forgive me. Mm, all that analysis making me thirsty. UNC Iona, uh, bet the over. The safest bet in the tournament is the over for UNC Iona. Iona wants to run, 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 run. UNC wants to run, 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 run. Bet the over. I don't care what the over is. If the over is is anything under 180 points, I'm I'm hammering it, okay? Let's bet the over. That might be an exaggeration, but the point stands. Uh, Utah State versus Washington. Uh, I think this comes down to the fact that Utah State is not terrible and Washington is, so that's a problem. Uh, great ball movement for Utah State. Efficient scorers, Sam Merrill, uh, love what they do. I think this is a no-brainer. They've got the man inside to uh, grab offensive boards over the zone. Give me Utah State. That's kind of a no-brainer. Auburn, New Mexico State. Here's another team where, man, like if they were against somebody else, I'd like them more. But uh, this is a really tough matchup for them. They've got a ton of shooting. they got good guards. But Auburn is so happy to play that way. Um, New Mexico State is better at rebounding. So if, if you want to pick a 12 over 5, I think this one might be better than a couple of the others because New Mexico State can hurt Auburn on the glass, I think. But Auburn can also force a ton of turnovers and you know get back that shot volume that way. Ultimately, I just think that Auburn is underseeded. I think they're really good. So it's really hard for me to want to bet on New Mexico State especially because I don't have someone in the next game that I can confidently move to the Sweet 16. So give me Auburn here. Kansas Northeastern. Here's an upset that I really like. (laughs) Now, a lot of people made a big deal on Twitter about how UNC might have to play Kansas in Kansas City. First of all, if I was UNC, I'd be begging to play Kansas. Kansas has not been good, period, over the last month or so. They're definitely limping into the finish line. It's exactly the kind of team you want to play. Okay, regardless of whether it's on the road, whatever, doesn't matter. 
Uh, Kansas is not deep. They give up a ton of threes. Northeastern has very balanced score, and they've got, I think, seven players who score in double digits, and they've got a ton of shooting across the board. So I don't really know if Kansas can hang with Northeastern, which sounds weird. They've got Diedrich Lawson. They've got Dodson. They've got like they've got future pro players on the roster. But I just don't know where Kansas's advantage is here when their weakness is northeast is Northeastern's strength. Bill Cohen has a great uh, is a terrific mid-major coach. I expect him to absolutely get high major jobs probably next year if they beat Kansas. Uh, and between sort of the turnover, uh, the turmoil rather with Gerald Vick leaving the team with uh, Doak getting hurt and being out. Uh, obviously, the sort of the Bill Self to the NBA rumors that are starting to swirl. I just wonder if there's too much going on for that team to pull it together and beat Northeastern. Granted, maybe just because this is the first year that they haven't won the Big 12, maybe I'm overreacting to that. But Northeastern is the type of team that I'd pegged as uh, the sort of team you really want to pick to upset somebody uh, in the tournament. I like Northeastern for sure in this game. Iowa State, Ohio State, uh, I'm really in love with the depth of Iowa State's talent. They've got, again, like four or five guys who might be in the NBA one day. Uh, If you can get Caleb Wesson in foul trouble, Ohio State really doesn't have much. Uh, I honestly think Iowa State can win whether they get him in foul trouble or not. I think they're good. They have a bit of a consistency issue, which is obviously problematic in a tournament. But And Chris Holtman's a really good coach. I just if you if all you've got is Caleb Wesson and you're leaning on that, and Iowa State has so many guns, so many ways to kill you. Um, yeah, Iowa State, Houston versus Georgia State. Georgia State's so reliant on one player to make their offense run, and Houston just defends really well. I think this is sort of a no-brainer. Houston, there's there's just not an upset here. I'd love to see Georgia State. I'd love to see Ron Hunter fall off his chair again. It's just not going to happen. Walford versus Seton Hall. Now. This is a really interesting matchup, and obviously Wofford, I think, is going to be a pretty attractive pick for people. And Seton Hall looked really impressive in the Big East tournament. Their rebounding numbers aren't that great for a team that's got pretty good size at the end of the day. So even though they've got the sort of size you think would slow down Cam Jackson inside for Wofford, I still think that Wofford could probably clean up the glass a little bit on Seton Hall. Um, Yeah, I mean, like... Seton Hall is going to give them some problems with their switching defense. I don't really know how many open looks Fletcher McGee is going to get. But then again, Fletcher McGee doesn't really need open looks. I mean, I don't think that he's the same as Marcus Howard, essentially. Like, I think that he can get up shots pretty all over the place. Like, anybody who's watched Wofford play knows, like, if he's getting bumped, if he's got a hand in his face, if he's like at 45 degrees in the air, it doesn't matter. He's taking it, and it's probably going in. That's the weirdest part. So between McGee and Jackson, I think that Wofford has two of the three best players on the floor. You know, Miles Powell is going to get his for Seton Hall, but in a close game, I'm going to take Wofford here. Uh, Kentucky, Abilene Christian, I'm taking Kentucky. No-brainer. UNC, Utah State. Uh, So I love uh, Nemius Keta. Uh, Kita, I've heard announcers say it two different ways. <laughs> so that I, it's really annoying when that happens. Uh, I don't think he wants to go outside to guard Luke May. He's sort of this, like, almost uh, not quite as, like, big and long as Mo Bamba, but, you know, he gives you sort of that vibe on the inside where he's really long, 
really disruptive, great shot blocker, great rebounder, um, good at sort of catching lobs. And so I don't know that Luke May is going to be able to guard him. Garrison Brooks will obviously try to guard him, but like, I, I don't know who's going to guard Luke May in this game. And that's a really difficult thing to pin down because uh, Utah State, I think, is is going to be more vulnerable to a guy who can who can drift outside, can shoot those threes. Uh, because if they can get Utah State's big onto May, I, I think May can shoot over him. I think that May can drag him outside. I think that May can sort of exploit that matchup better than maybe people would expect. But regardless of that, I'm sort of focusing on that mostly because uh, Luke May in a matchup like this I think is really impressive. But the more impressive thing is that this is not your traditional UNC team that can't shoot threes. I think if this was your traditional UNC team, Utah State wins this game because Utah State can score in a bunch of ways. They pass beautifully. They've got a good interior defender. Uh, I think that Utah State would be in great shape. But this is not the UNC of the past few years. This team wants to shoot threes. They're very good at it. I think UNC wins this game. Auburn versus Northeastern, they're both going to play like a somewhat similar offense in which they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, they're going to spread the ball. A bunch of people can shoot. Um, I don't – yeah, I mean, in that regard, they're going to be similar. But, you know, if you've got a bunch of shooters on both teams and on one of the teams they've got like way, way, way more athletes – then I feel like you've got to take the team that has the significant athleticism advantage. Um, yeah, I just uh, obviously Northeastern is going to try and slow the game down to take their threes, but and Auburn's just going to want to like go 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 go. I don't know. Just the, the athletic advantage is just so high for Auburn in this game. I think you've got to take Auburn here. Iowa State Houston, absolute coin flip uh, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, I don't really know what to do with this, but I think Iowa State has more pros, more guys that can take over the game when it's on the line. I think that Iowa State is more vulnerable to wing guys uh, or to sort of those hybrid bigs than they have been to point guards, just sort of in looking over Iowa State's losses. There aren't a lot of games in which they're getting burned by the point guard. They've done okay against those guys. So I think if they slow Corey Davis down, then they can definitely roll, and it won't be a problem. I think Corey Davis is really tough. It's going to be hard for Iowa State to slow him down. Again, I, I have no confidence either way here, but ultimately when it becomes a coin flip, you take the team that's got more talent. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa State here. Wofford, Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's got bigs for Cam Jackson. They've got Ashton Hagens to chase Fletcher McGee around. I, I know that Wofford sometimes can be tricky in games like this. You know, they obviously gave UNC fits, stuff like that. But I think Kentucky's defense is a lot stouter uh, than UNC's is. So give me Kentucky here. I, I'm not really going to hesitate there. This is going to be another sexy upset pick for people. Wofford's going to beat Kentucky. Wofford's going to the Sweet 16. I don't think Wofford beats Kentucky, man. Kentucky could beat themselves, maybe. But I don't think Wofford on their best day is beating Kentucky. UNC-Auburn. Yeah, I mean, here's another game where you're definitely going to want to take the over. Both teams happy to run, 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 run. But again, UNC is just the better team. I, I think that UNC is happy to run. Um, if Auburn tries to speed them up, I don't think you speed up one of the fastest teams in college, I think that Kobe White and players like that are, are brilliant in transition when Auburn is going to try to create havoc. So I, I don't really see the problem there. Obviously, Auburn is the sort of team where 
if everyone's hitting threes, they can beat just about everybody. But I just think UNC has more paths to victory here. So I'm going to take UNC. Iowa State, Kentucky. I, I literally just said it's more like these wings and hybrid bigs that can kill Iowa State. P.J. Washington is absolutely that guy, and he's been really hot down the stretch. Ashton Hagens can disrupt Nick Weiler-Babb. Uh, maybe if Iowa State can slow down P.J. Washington, slow down Kentucky's offense a little bit, uh, they'll have a good shot. Again, I like Iowa State's talent level, but I just think Kentucky, from a matchup perspective, uh, Iowa State just doesn't really have what, what's going to hammer Kentucky. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Kentucky here. Setting up UNC-Kentucky, which is exactly the game that America wants to see. Uh, I think that the key to beating UNC is disrupting Kobe White, period. And Ashton Higgins is absolutely capable of doing this. I think that Kentucky is versatile defensively. I think they've got the better talent. I think that once again, here is a game where Luke May could probably get going. Um, again, the guys like uh, Grant Williams and to uh, Zion, I'm not comparing Luke May to Zion or Grant Williams, but their games against Kentucky have shown that if you can finish inside with a soft touch, but you can also step outside and take those jumpers, that you're going to get yours against this Kentucky team one way or another, right? Especially if, you know, Luke May ends up at any point with, like, Travis on him or something like this. I, I just really like May in those matchups to be disruptive, uh, which is weird to say. I never would have thought I was saying this, even last year going into the tournament. <laughs> even two, year, two years ago when they played last time and UNC won on that Kentucky on that Luke May shot, right? I n nobody saw it coming. This year they will see Luke May coming, but I, I still just think that um, Kentucky is a better team. They've got more talent. Even if they're better at sort of smothering the perimeter or stopping players at the rim, and Luke May sort of is good in that middle range there, I I just don't think that he's enough. And I don't know that UNC defensively has what it takes to stop P.J. Washington, has what it takes to stop Ashton Higgins, has what it takes to stop Reed Travis, uh, Keldon Johnson. If Tyler Harrow is making threes, forget about it, right? So there's just there's a bunch of talent there. So i got to go with Kentucky here. So let's go to the final four, Duke, Michigan, UNC, Kentucky. Um, I mean, it seems like a really safe final four. I'll talk about some less safe final four picks down the way, um, but I want to talk about who I think would win here. Duke versus Michigan. I honestly think this is a decent matchup for – sorry, Duke, Michigan, Virginia, Kentucky. That's my final four. I've been talking too much. Duke, Michigan, decent matchup for Duke for the most part. Uh, Michigan's defense is really designed to shut down perimeter shooting, not stop the interior as much. They just sort of let Teske handle that. I think Zion and Barrett uh, and Bolden would be happy, happy, happy to play that game, to let Michigan try to pressure the perimeter um, and for them to trust Teske to have to deal with the people at the rim that Duke is going to be throwing at the rim. I think mean, Trey, Trey Jones, Xavier Simpson would be very compelling. I think Charles Matthews, RJ Barrett would be compelling, frankly. Um, but Michigan wants to play a team that can that can't switch all five, I think, um, when they're running their offense, and you know because then they can get Brasdakis on a guy, they can get Matthews on a guy. They love to run those sort of ball screens, get teams to switch. Um, 
or not get teams to switch, get teams caught up in what do I do, right? Uh, get, a, get a bad matchup on a switch. I just don't know that there's a really bad matchup there. Um, again, push comes to shove. Throw in Zion at the five. Uh, he can guard anybody. Javon Delorier out at the perimeter has done a, a pretty good job over the past few weeks. He's a bit of a walking foul, but again, there's just not going to be easy looks for Michigan on offense, which you've got to be able to score at minimum 70 points to keep up with Duke. So I like Duke in this matchup. Again, there's there's ways for Duke to lose this game for sure, but I just think Michigan's game plan is a game that Duke would like to play. And then once you've got a matchup like that, then you side with the talent. And Duke's just got more talent. Michigan's got the experience, but just the talent level is is overwhelming for Duke. I don't I don't know who can guard him on Michigan. Uh, by him, I mean Zion, as if there was any question. Then you've got Virginia-Kentucky. Uh, this would be a great game. Um, I ultimately think two things. P.J. Washington has been the best offensive player for Kentucky recently. I don't think anybody would dispute that. DeAndre Hunter might be the best defender in the country. If not, he's like top two <laughs> or three at, at worst. Um, so I think Hunter would be tasked with Washington, and I think Hunter can absolutely slow down Washington. So that's the first problem for Kentucky. The second problem for Kentucky is that in losses they've incurred this year, uh, they've been vulnerable to the three-point shot. If teams can shoot the ball from three quickly and accurately, then shocker, <laughs> Kentucky is vulnerable, as any team would be, right? But in particular... Kentucky's just so stout on the inside that the way to beat Kentucky is going to be you got you got to make some threes, which then spaces them out a bit, which then you know can can lead to other things. I I don't think you want to be vulnerable against the three when you're playing Virginia, uh, just because they got so many shooters who get it up so fast. Uh, so I like Virginia in this matchup to move along to an All ACC <laughs> championship game, Duke Virginia, the chalkiest you know, a finals matchup. But I also, let's defend the chalk for a second. This is not good for a bracket pool, but let's defend the chalk for a second. If you look at, like, the top 10 teams on Ken Palm, there's a pretty big jump between 10 and 11, right? So you should probably be taking the one seeds, the two seeds, Texas Tech, maybe Purdue if you believe in the threes falling. I mean, like, those are probably your 10 teams that are realistic title game contenders. If you've got teams other than that in there, then you're really taking a risk. What you really probably want to be doing is, again, taking a team that you know people in your pool are not going to count on in there. I don't know how many teams would have, for instance, Michigan beating Duke, unless you like live in Michigan. I certainly don't know how many teams, how many people would have Virginia making the Final Four, much less beating Kentucky to make it to the Finals. Right, So even though this is obvious chalk, you just want to consider what the rest of the pool is, is thinking about. So Duke versus Virginia, round three. I think the problem is, and we saw this in the previous two games, Virginia is not long or strong enough to stop Duke penetration. Now they can tempt Duke into shooting more threes. That is absolutely the path to victory for Virginia here, without question. But Duke in two games is shooting 60% from two <laughs> against Virginia. Two, ga two games, 60% as the average against the pack line defense. So that's not just like a small sample size, right? That's multiple games. 
And you've got to wonder how that happened. Well, it happened because Zion and RJ are too strong. They're too good at the cup. Their their touch is softer than most when it comes to taking contested shots at the rim. And they just haven't been able to keep Duke on the outside. Even in the second game where they really focused in and said, all right, Duke's going to have to take a bunch of threes. They took a couple threes, they made those threes, and then all of a sudden the the inside is wide open again, right? So I, I, outside of keeping Duke shooting threes all game, not spacing, holding to that, saying, you know what, if Duke is going to make 18 threes, then so be it. But I'll be goddamned if I give up an inch of this paint to any of them. Uh, I think that's the path. I mean, I would genuinely let them shoot all day if I was Virginia. But Virginia like doesn't really do that. Virginia's pack line still wants to get some, generate some turnovers. Still wants to, you know, uh, they don't they don't want to play the pure numbers game and just completely sag, right? They just they just haven't really seemed like they've wanted to do that. Duke also beat Virginia in different ways with different lineups this year. So it's hard to say, like, oh, there's this one path to beating Duke or, they're, oh, it's it's so reliant on this one thing. I mean, yes, Duke is reliant on Zion, but outside of that, um, you know, they beat Virginia without Trey Jones, who makes their offense. I mean, they beat Virginia by making threes. They beat them by making twos. They defended the ball very well both times. Um, Duke is clearly comfortable playing at a lower speed. Duke wants to speed up, but if Virginia wants to try to slow it down some, Duke is happy to lull them into a sense of false complacency and then hit them with a couple of transition buckets on the interim. RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson in the two games against Virginia averaged between them 50 points. And if you can get to 70 points, you can beat Virginia. So if RJ and Zion are doing 50, I mean... Let's say Cam Reddish and Trey Jones can do 15 at minimum together. You know, I mean, I just it it's hard for a team to beat a team three times, but Duke versus this particular team just seems built for it. I don't know. Um, and Duke's had a case had a good record against Bennett uh, on the whole. So if it comes down to this. And on top of that, I mean, I'm not really considering this, but, like, think about the monkey on the back for Virginia versus Duke, right? Like, Duke's got the expectations because of RJ, Zion, et cetera, but you know they came into this season with those expectations. One year, one shot, let's go. Virginia is carrying with them all the baggage from last year. Nobody said we could do it, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you think that's a good motivating factor, but, like, if Duke all of a sudden breaks off an eight-point lead – in the title game, you have to wonder about the resiliency and, and whether some of that stuff would play a role. Maybe that's me being unfair, playing armchair psychiatrist. I'm open to that. But I just feel like Duke is going to be uh, – Duke and Coach K know how to handle the pressure of the title game. R.J. Barrett has won titles with the under-17 team. right? Zion Williamson, I mean, hadn't played in anything like this, but – does anyone doubt that he can perform under pressure? He's He's got more spotlight on him than any other player in the country. So I like Duke. Uh, I know that listeners of this podcast are probably, you know, tossing their phones, laptops, whatever, out the window because they know I'm a Duke fan. I'm usually the first person that, that knocks Duke out of my bracket. 
And certainly there are teams that can beat Duke. Virginia Tech absolutely can beat Duke. Michigan can beat Duke. Gonzaga obviously can beat Duke. Michigan State probably not. But uh, maybe Cassius Winston gets hot. There are a lot of ways for Duke to go wrong. Duke can settle for three-pointers. Duke can get Zion into foul trouble. Um, There's a lot of stuff that can go bad. Trey Jones could have to deal with somebody who's very physical at the point who can sort of minimize his impact. Cam Reddish can continue his pretty bad play and just sort of exacerbate it when the pressure is on. I don't, there's a lot of things that can go wrong for all these teams, right? Including Duke. So that's why Duke and UNC being on 75% of final fours, I think is pretty crazy. I think that if you were being smart, you would pick Duke to lose your bracket. I'm just telling you what I think will probably happen. But if I were you, I would take uh, Duke to get knocked off somewhere. And again, if you, if you're going to knock them off somewhere, maybe knock them off sooner rather than later. Knock them off Sweet 16. Knock them off Elite Eight. Don't wait until the finals and then be like, Duke's going to lose. Ha ha. Like, uh, separate yourself earlier than that. If you're looking for sleeper Final Four teams, I think that absolutely uh, in that Duke bracket, Virginia Tech, I think, is a great, great sleeper pick for the Final Four. I think MSU, Michigan State, this is a good sleeper pick. I think if you want to go deep, deep, deep sleeper, now I wouldn't do this. But if if you're doing multiple brackets, maybe Louisville. Louisville is, again, like a four seed in strength, five seed. So, you know, all, all it takes is for Jordan Noira to get a little hot, and then who knows. Uh, in the West, if you're looking for a sleeper, Texas Tech, I think, is a no-brainer sleeper in this uh, side of the bracket. I really, really like what what they bring to the table. Um, outside of that, I mean, FSU is going to be a pretty popular sleeper, I would think, after just sort of how they've been playing, uh, especially after beating Virginia. In the south side of the bracket, I don't really have a good sleeper here. I, Tennessee, I mean, I just, I'm not in love with any of these teams. I think that Wisconsin, when they're on – uh, is probably one of the best teams in the country, but they're just really hard to bet on. Maybe if you think Wisconsin can beat Virginia, then you could take them past Tennessee as well. But Wisconsin-Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee's got the bodies to deal with Hap, I feel like. And I don't know. If you're not going Virginia, I think Tennessee is a pretty good bet. Um, in terms of the Midwest, I think there's a ton of teams in the Midwest. I think if you really want to go sleeper, if you want to go deep sleeper, this is where you go, right? You go Auburn, you go Iowa State. Like, those are the two teams that I think have the absolute talent to go to the Final Four as a lower seed. Um, and again, Kentucky, I think, is weirdly maybe a little bit undervalued because everybody rightly thinks UNC is terrific this year. But if everybody in your bracket has UNC... Go somewhere else, right? Go go, not where the ball is, where the ball is headed. That doesn't apply here. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my bracket in terms of what I think will happen, Duke, Michigan, Virginia, Kentucky. Uh, I like Duke over Virginia in the title game. If I was submitting a bracket, I would probably go something more along the lines of I might still pick Duke just because they have such a cakey bracket. I'd probably go Duke, either Gonzaga or Texas Tech. 
I think I'd still pick Virginia. I think teams are undervalued. I think people are undervaluing Virginia. And then I would go a chaos pick from the Midwest. I would go, especially if I think Virginia is going to the finals anyway, I'd pick Iowa State maybe. I, I think that I sort of like how they've been playing or Auburn. Either way, those are sort of your really nice sleeper picks. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be posting a bunch of gambling picks. I'm going to pick gambling picks for every one of these games. I'm going to be posting them on the Twitter, at seconds, the number two madness. Please check those out. Thank you to anybody who's listening to this. I'm sorry that we've not been recording this year again. It's been a crazy, crazy year for uh, myself personally and uh, from what I understand for KBAD as well. Uh, I'm Russell H. Film on Twitter. Uh, he is at KBADDS on Twitter. So give him a follow. Uh, tell him, you know, we want the podcast back next year. I wanted to. I wanted it this year, but like, it was just hard for me personally to make a weekly podcast happen this year. So, uh, yeah, thank you to everybody listening. At seconds, the number two madness. I'm obviously going to be tweeting about the tournament ad nauseum throughout it. I'm going to be parked at either Barney's Beanery in Santa Monica or maybe Q's on Wilshire. Uh, and I'm going to have that's my dog shaking his ears. Um, I'm going to be parked up watching every game. Taken the entire weekend off as I am wont to do. That I, I've I've done this for the last decade, every opening weekend of the tournament for the last decade, and I'm really excited to do it again this year. It promises to be a really great tournament. Uh, TheBeerTravelGuide.com. That's our sponsor, aka the website I run with my wife. Go to the Beer Travel Guide if you are looking for local craft beer in your area. TheBeerTravelGuide.com. Beer Travel. The Beer Travel Guide on Facebook. At the Beer Travel Guide on Instagram, at Beer Travel BTG on Twitter, and once again, if you would like to win free beer, there is a contest at my Instagram at Russell H Beer. Go there, figure out how to enter, win some free beer from me. Everybody loves free beer. Okay, so thank you to again everyone listening, and if you're looking for people to follow other than me during the tournament. I strongly recommend reading everything that Three Man Weave puts out. Their podcast has been fantastic. I'm really excited to hear what they have to say and to see how much they disagree with me. Uh, I'm, uh, I loved, I just got, oh man, I don't want to mess up his name. Um, Hoops Vision, Jordan Sperber, I believe. Okay, let me look this up. Sorry, you're going to have to listen to me look up somebody on Twitter. This is compelling podcasting. Uh, Jordan Sperber, at HoopVision68. Uh, so they put out an NCAA tournament Bible, which has scouting reports and statistics on every team in the field. I have it already. It's great. Really valuable stuff, especially if you want to know how teams run offenses on all the teams. Uh, there's video supplements. It's fantastic. Go check that out as well. Um, and, yeah, that's going to do it. So for KBAD, I'm Russell Hainline. This has been 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Good night. <laughs> you know my stage. Let them know. Do your thing, dog. Keep it live.